So what do you think of George Harrison's guitar playing? Amazing. George Harrison's guitar playing is always has a melody, always showing the chord progression of a song. So, you know, some people think George Harrison is not great as songwriters, you know, Paul McCartney. So sometimes people compare these things. George Harrison's amazing. If you listen something from Abbey Road, da, 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 that's just one, one phrase like that. And then the melody is so huge to me. My model of business is the Beatles. You know, they were four very talented guys. Welcome back to the Here, There, and Everywhere podcast. I'm your host, Jack Lawless. Tomo Fujita is a professional guitarist and an esteemed professor at Berklee College of Music. He's played with legendary musicians such as Steve Jordan, Susan Tedeschi, Phil Collins, and Steve Gadd. As a professor, he's taught students who later became guitar legends in their own right, such as Eric Krasno, Adam Smirnoff, and John Mayer. Tomo's interest in music actually started when he was a kid, when he heard his first Beatles song. And ever since then, he's been endlessly fascinated by George Harrison's guitar playing and the way that the Beatles fit so much musical sophistication into relatively short songs. So here today to discuss that fascination and everything else about the Beatles. It's my pleasure to introduce the great Tomo Fujita. Hey Tomo, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. How are you doing today? How are you? Thank you so much for having me. Of course, it's an honor to have you on. All right. And I heard that you're a huge Beatles fan. Yes. Awesome. Well, Tomo, can you start us off by telling us about how you grew up and what kind of music you listened to as a kid? Sure, yeah. When I was 10, I had a friend uh, has an older brother and started listening music. That's how I like connect with listening music. But before beforehand, I played a little bit of instrument at the you know, elementary school, you know, as an education, but that was the first time ever really listening, tuned in, to, you know, songs. And so his brother started collecting Beatles records. And me and my friends, we were listening FM and tuning into uh, Beatles uh, radio station. And we had a cassette tape. We record a cassette tape and write it, write it all the notes, you know, name of the songs and stuff. So that's how I grew up, actually, you know, beginning. Oh, wow. And what were your thoughts when you first heard the Beatles? Well, funny part is I only listened like a few like Japanese pop music, but that was the only first time I ever listened real, you know, band music. And so it just, you know, now I think about it, the song is really short and a lot of arrangement each song. And so I really enjoy it. And Tomo, how did you get your start in music? And when did you decide that you wanted to pursue it professionally? Funny about beginning. If I tell this story, it's become really long. So I make this story a little short. But I love guitar. I love music. And I, I didn't like anything else. You know? So that was very natural. I wanted to do it. But, the, but then I decided not to follow this career because a lot of people said, this is not a great one. So I basically 
went to college. And at the college, about a year, I didn't really pursue anything. But, uh, you know, I kept uh, playing. I put the band together. And I, I secretly, I was taking lessons, guitar lessons. And so basically, I, I, I was kind of, you know, ex, not expecting, but the, I, I want to make just in case, you know, second <laughs> plan B. So I went to college, but I have a plan B. That's what happened is plan B worked. So that when decided to become professional. Yeah, but up to there, like, you know, 18, I already gave up to become professional because that's tough to do it. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't have any, you know, confidence to do it. So I was just, actually, I was very depressed when I was 18, 19, because I went to college that I don't want to do. You know? But I kept doing my own thing, you know. So, you know, so that's the, um, uh, like, you know, message I want to tell a lot of people that don't decide anything right away, but also don't decide, give up. Just keep hopes and dreams. Keep keep doing it because you never know. Sometime, right place, right time. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So that's why after that I follow completely music. Yeah. That's incredible. And how long have you been a professor at Berkeley for? Um, since nineteen ninety three. So I've been teaching. So next year twenty twenty three become. 30, 30 years. Oh, wow. Crazy, eh? Congratulations on 30 years. That's awesome. Yeah. And looking back, are you able to think of any favorite moments from your teaching career? Yeah. I mean, many things for, you know, concert, recording. Yeah, a few things I can say. When I made an album, Pure, and I hire all my favorite players, Will Lee on bass, Steve Gatt, Bernard Party, who played with the Beatles, right? Bernard Party and Steve Jordan. That was a great recording. Also, years back when I was, you know, um, working a lot of the different gigs, and I was in Japan, Lenny Pickett from Saturday Night Live, they called my house. So I was uh, chosen for the audition, guitar player audition. So they picked 10 guitar players. I was on top 10. I didn't get the gig just because they were looking for younger people. But still, that was a really great moment. You know? Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And one more. I taught so many people and several players become really well known, did a great job. Like Michael Lemo, he's a guitar player who, who works at the you know, uh, Gnome's Real Guitar now. He's doing great. He has records out. And Eric Krasno from Soul Live, Letters and all that, and he's doing great. And of course, John Mayer is one of my students that he made really big. So that's really a um, great feeling after I taught so many people, helped people, and somebody made it that way. You know? Yeah, but also, of course, somebody didn't make a name in public, but still doing great internet, you know, teaching people and different type of business, you know, so, yeah, so a lot of things, yeah. Wow, <laughs> and when you're listening back to the records of your students that made it big, yes. do you ever hear snippets or instances of yeah. your influence or things that you've taught them in their playing? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, 
Yeah, like for example, Eric Klasno, I taught a lot, you know, funk rhythm guitar and some of the jazz stuff, but um, um, John Mayer, I taught him how to play really clean, use dynamics, and so that guitar technique foundation that a lot of people cannot learn from YouTube or anything like that. And I taught him sort of details, so he carried on. Now when he plays it, I can really hear everything I taught. It's almost like he, you know, I teach everybody the same way, but not necessarily everybody really worked on that each topic, right? But he really smart that he didn't forget about those topics are very important because foundation technique, that's really helps performance. But most people want to practice tunes, want to practice performance. And they're fun and easy, but not going anywhere because you're not really, not you, but, you know, working on the details. Almost like somebody want to build a house so quickly and sell. What's going to happen? Some problem, you know, occur, right? <laughs> yeah, same thing, the music, the instrument. A lot of details that you don't really see, but those are really, really important. That's what I do good. You know, right, details. building your skills from the ground up. Yeah, ground up. A lot of people never ever notice that details because you don't see if you just play music. But if you play more and more, you you know you feel, oh, why it's not something smooth? Yeah, just because one bolt and something not really tight, and you just keep building on top. So of course, structure is really. <laughs> suffer you know what i mean yeah so that's what i like uh great moment like you know make people happy and years later somebody making the direction really well right? yeah so who are some of your favorite guitar players and who are the ones that inspired you sure yeah um japanese artist named cha c h a r and uh, he definitely inspired me to play uh, kind of funky and you know, rock stuff. And then after that, Larry Carlton, who was uh, LA studio session players who become really well known. And he taught me vers versatile style of jazz, funk, and blues and everything. So after that, I discovered B.B. King as a blues guitar player and Joe Pass, jazz guitar player. And those I kind of figuring out. And then I felt I I I felt Larry Carlton has soulful um, part coming from like Ray Charles, Stevie Wonder, Donny Hathaway. So that's where I went to dig in more sixties, uh, seventies old um, soul music, and which which I I can tell Beatles has so much influence from that. Yeah, I I I talked to you later about you know. Where they influenced by then why they made original music make makes sense, yeah, yeah. But anyway, so you see, Larry Carlton opened the door about several different type of music. So instead of you know pursue like copying Larry Carlton, I did that a few years, but then I quit copying Larry Carlton because if I do, I become second Larry Carlton that we don't need. You know, so I study how. He learned from styles, and that's I studied. Then I made my original music. 
same way. I mean, Beatles, they are in England. So when they receive records from America, a little different from people buy records in America because that's a little too easy. But having records coming from America to Europe and you have records and not so many people own that record. So, you know, four or five guys get together, listen to records religiously. Then you, when you hear soulful singing of, you know, Sam Cooke or, uh, you know, groove of, you know, Junior Well, uh, uh, a lot of different things, like, you know, music, right? So, Junior Walker, yeah. So, Junior Walker, Shotgun. That's really, to me, influenced Taxman. Well, I saw her standing there, that kind of, you know, R&B groove. But Beatles being in England, and probably they are very, you know, um, like a naive and very humble that they they felt, oh, I want to copy American blues and R&B, but they are so good, I can I can beat with them, you know. So why don't we play original music? Right. Yeah. That's what I what want to take about their way of making original music, just because. They just want to play blues and R&B, just like American music. But if you do, if you do, uh, they become just a, one of them. Nothing special, you know. Yeah, that's really interesting. Now that you bring that up. Yeah, just because 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 I hear you know Beatles as Beatles, right? When I was a kid, then I I came to America. I study all old music because to make new music good, you have to know all the music, just like a foundation thing. And when you copy this music, you can play exactly. Then you, you become second, second, you know, copy, right? So you have to make original. To make original, you can play exactly. That's why that limitation make original music. But then nowadays pop is different because pop, they have to use exactly what's what's popular because that's hits. But then only hits month or two months or three months, and then you have to make a new one. So, like, you know, new music never become timeless music because they were just using, repeating parts of a popular music to gain popularity. Right, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> so, as, again, music business popularity, which is good, but then sometimes it's not artistic. You know? So what do you think of George Harrison's guitar playing? Amazing. See that George Harrison's guitar playing is always has melody, always has, you know, um, showing the chord progression of a song. Some Somebody like, you know, who can play in a pentatonic or any scale really fast, then they just run scale over the chord changes. So maybe impressive as a solo, but it's not memorable. Almost So George has that making melody almost like a part of a composition. So, you know, some people think George Harrison is not great as songwriter as, you know, Paul McCartney. So sometimes people compare these things, right? But that's only, you know, how many compositions he had, how many compositions Paul had. But that's only the amount, you know, quantity. 
But quality of songwriting to me, George Harrison's amazing. If you listen something, you know, from Abbey Road, da, 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 that's just one, one phrase like that, and then go to the song. And that melody is so huge to me. And also tone of a sound. You see the guitar tone, you could have, you know, little bit thin sounds from you know Fender or a little bit bigger sounds from Gibson. It has always a unique sound. I cannot really tell. It's like a little bit big, a little bit something different. But also it's not so much he's using delay or reverb. Always kind of dry. I like that. Yeah, that's a really good point because, I mean, I can't think of a time where George ever goes overboard with a solo. Exactly, exactly. Like, uh, you know, fa- my favorite solo, the Let It Be, the, you know, Let It Be, like, you know, that's sort of almost a solo, but more like a melody. In a way, now I, I am making new music, more like, you know, a little bit J-pop and a little bit more program music because I want to challenge program music with, I have a great, you know, arranger and, you know, and so my music is all two minutes and a half, three minutes, just like a Beatles, right? So the solo section, very, very short. So difference is, sounds like I'm improvising, but everything I compose now, just because my music don't have lyrics. So that means has to be, you know, meaningful, each one, not just flashy solo. Absolutely, know? yeah. So that's why, to me, what I'm doing really is like a George Harrison concept. Because, in other words, George Harrison's influence to me is now making solo like a song. Yeah, so indirectly, see, I'm not copying him, but I'm copying his concept that he writes solo. Even something like, you know, middle of a section become very much minor you know, descending line, just like he always used, you know. And then guitar so like a bending three times he did the same thing. I mean you could play many other things. Why he plays the same thing? Because important as a song, people remember. If you if you go more notes like this, nobody remember. Right, yeah. Yeah. So even my teaching, I you know, sometimes I let students play you know, improvisation, and I listen. I always try to listen and, you know, repeat something. And I have to tell them, this, that song is not good. Why? Because I can remember. If you listen, let it be, you know, solo, you can remember. That's the essence of good solo. It's part of music. Solo is really halfway composed to that song. And then a little bit of inspiration on the spot, you improvise. Maybe that's to me acceptable, you know, because people spend so much money going to a studio. Why you improvise 100%? <laughs> you know, right? You know, some jazz people, they respect, you know, improvise 100%. But just I'm doing more like Beatles, pop music uh, way to create my own music right now. But so George Harrison, amazing composer. And, you know, Taxman, again, that's Taxman is really, really based on, to me, uh, Junior Walker and the All Stars, Shotgun. And Shotgun, you know, recorded 1965, and Taxman came out. 66, yeah. 66, right? Makes sense. <laughs> you know, you're right. 
Yeah, because I, you know, for example, day tripper. That's really the blues. But then blues, right? Blues, you know, um, I shouldn't play, but, but you know. But, yeah, feel free to get your guitar and play. So, for example, right? That's blues, right? I'm going to come blue. Right, yeah. So this is like a go-to phrase. If I improvise, I play that because people recognize. Then I become more friendly through music, you know. <laughs> oh yeah. wow, sure. Yeah. So that so day tripper. So the so the funny part is now, when I was a ten or twelve, when I heard day tripper. I heard that's original music, so I go like, "Wow, amazing!" Right? Then I study Larry Carlton, then start studying blues and R and B. I came to America when I was twenty-one and playing this bass line. Then look back, they tripper. Wow, that's clever. They just don't want to play regular blues; they just twist it. In other words, not hundred percent original. It's come from American music, but they don't want to copy it, so they changed it. So they change the groove, a little straight feel, and then they change the phrase. So the amazing Jody Harrison to me, he just want to play blues, but they can't. He he understood they can't play. He had to something original. Maybe George Martin says, "Don't play exactly. You have to change something." Then that's how they came up. Cool, right? Yeah, that is pretty cool. Now, if you were in the Beatles and you can perform on one song, which song would you want to play the guitar on? Little bit, I think. Yeah, but then I don't want to switch so much of his soul. Almost like that's, to me, that's sort of, when I heard that, that's really stayed in my heart so many, many years. And still, I can walk down the street, I can hear the whole song. I mean, that's how much I listen to. You know? Then that's like, you know, really good rock R&B phrase. <laughs> So I can sing it because that's somebody said, Oh, that's easy, major pentatonic. Okay. You know, so like, 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 you know, any key you go, you know. Like, that's called pentatonic. But anybody can play. If I play that, that's not a song. It's just a scale. See, I use a little bit idea into my solo. See, again, I can't play exactly the same because that's George Harrison. But I can do I can steal rhythm, do you know what I mean? Rhythm is now, you know, copyrighted. Yeah, so that's what I do. See, that solo to me, it's just amazing that he... So basically, he studied blues, he studied R&B, that he mixed it, and then... See, interesting. 
George Harrison probably thought, I can play like Eric Clapton. He's amazing. But I can do it in the studio. I can come up with my solo, figuring out. That's what he did. So sometimes, I mean, this is, you know, it's not a, a correct answer. But sometimes, George had a good limitation. He cannot improvise like a jazz player. That's why he has to compose for the solo on the records, which is become hits. If he talented too much, then too good. Then you can memorize that, you know? Yeah, so, so more and more limitation, limitation you have, I think you create a good original music. Oh, that's a really interesting concept about limitation. I like right? that. Yeah, because most people, see, a lot of kids nowadays, internet, you know, YouTube, you, I mean, anybody want to know something, always Google or YouTube. They don't look for the answer themselves. They just look at the internet. They believe everything. So it means internet, it's too much information. You get the answer, but you can't go anywhere. You just get the answer already. So in other words, you don't have a dream. Your dream is dead because you have answer. Why I came to America? Because I didn't know what America like. Uh, that's why I came here. Right? If I have a Google, I look up Google. Oh, Boston looks like this. Oh, shit. Winter is so cold. I don't want to go there. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I don't like the snow. Yeah. <laughs> All like that. And then how much cost? Wow, too expensive. You know, almost like you, you Google the answer. Then almost you decide, oh, that's not good for me. But how do you know if you don't go there? Something like that. <laughs> that's right. You know, with the Beatles, I mean, they started out as like an R&B rock and pop cover group that wrote their own songs. But as they spent more time in the studio, they started to grow their imagination. And right. they were like, what else can we really do here? So I think that applies to right. them as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the cool part is, right? Yeah, beginning more like R&B, right? R&B, and be more, then become a little bit more rock. And then a little bit more, like, not opera, but just almost like a musical. It, almost like, um, not just music, something in it, you know. That's why uh, I like it about, they don't just follow all 4-4, four, four, like a time signature. Sometimes they add something in the middle, kind of a crazy stuff. I like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like in the middle of the song, we can work it out. It breaks into like a three, four waltz. Exactly. You know what? Yeah, we can work it out. That's 1965. Yeah, that's then, then, you know, ta 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 ta. Like almost like changing, you know, time feel like that. So I will ask you once again. Try to see it my even myself, if I write a song like kind of dun da dun I don't think like think think of a different time zone like in in the like that. See, that's why because I I feel oh this is too much like American music, you know. We have to do do something a little bit. That's I think came up or you know everybody's idea. I don't know. Just my imagination. But that's really clever, yeah. So me and you think the same thing because already I wrote here because I was going to mention that part. <laughs> <laughs> Great minds think alike. Yeah, I do homework, you know, just in case because 
That's a long time ago I listened to, so I have to really refresh it a little bit about it. Oh, totally, yeah. Yeah. Now, do you have a favorite Beatles song? I think, you know, so many songs. Little B is always amazing to me because that's really, you know, When I'm in Love with a Woman. Yes, that's a classic. Okay, look up like it, When I'm in Love with a Woman. That's really amazing uh, song, right? And then that song, you know, like, it's really simple, you know, and but but the key is it. That's a really famous song like that. So to me, Little B has that. Like, you know, kind of a... See, kind of similar. Yeah, very similar. Right. So to me, again, that hit song from America and listening to that, kind of similar because when one loves a woman, there's a little bit swings, you know? So that's why Beatles did. Like that, more straight. So to me, it's really kind of same. But they, you know, Beatles has always a nice bridge, you know, building up. You know. So it's really interesting. Like early, early, like, you know, 1965, 66, I think very influenced by more R&B, you know, you know, that. but then Go toward like you know sixty-eight around seventy. That's where I like to because more mixing rock, and that's when George Harrison write more songs. And uh, I think to me more his voice is more hard like you know among the band. I mean, if you, if you put the band together, usually without saying, people understand. Oh, you're good at the writing. Oh, you're good at the lyrics. And you're good at the guitar. You you know. So then that's the part. Not really decided. Even the you're gonna write the song, I'm gonna write the song. So interesting, yeah. Yeah, I think George really blossomed as a songwriter in the later half of the Beatles. I think so. I think so. Yeah, yeah. And then different influence, you know, different like you know, world music, different like instrument, you know, sitar sound, you know. All this stuff. And here comes yeah. the sun features yeah. this weird time signature change, or I think it switches over to a more traditionally Indian yeah. time signature halfway exactly. through the song. That's yeah, that's definitely a great song by him. You know? Yeah. So do you have a favorite memory that's associated with the Beatles? Uh let me see. Not exactly. I don't know what what exactly, but a funny part is like, you know, um now now I think beginning that was great way to discover music because beat was the first music really really into listening without knowing anything and i really thought they are music from america i didn't know this you know difference between england and america you understand so because look look alike you know so i thought you know these people are all america i didn't know the difference yeah so that was the first and uh later i can see how much Beatles influence because now I study jazz after that then Wes Montgomery you know play a lot of Beatles songs 
So I'm not sure exactly, but just, you know, it's always a great memory from that beginning, yeah. What do you think makes a song timeless? Ah, that's a good question. I think, I think, I think all ingredients they did, you know, four people, technically, two guitar players, bass players, and a drummer. And they're not really, really technical, right? Not so technical, you know, pretty good, really good. But then they into songwriting. They mix everything, right amount. And the band probably fight and discuss, laugh, cry together to make a song really, really, you know, deeply. That's why I think songs are so good. You know, influence from America, but then they really made their own idea. See, if they, if they, you know, um, decide to copy more American music and they left that way, then wasn't really timeless because they took all the music, not changed too much. Then they stay all the music. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Then, or if they do too much new thing, uh, this is a good one. If they put so many ideas without any history, then wasn't timeless. Then sounds like 1965. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, but they did a little bit good old music. Then they had a new idea and nailed it. So you see, yeah, history is important. Inventions important, but you can't just do everything so new. So it means if I do everything so digital, no band. You know, I'm that's what I'm doing. But you know, but funny part is I'm doing digital way, but then. My music is very more soulful, so that's why I try to mix these. Yeah, and who do you think is making timeless music at this moment in time? I think John Mayer. Oh, John Mayer. Yeah, he's very smart. He's very smart. So if you listen to Continuum, you know, still fresh to me. I mean, oh, of course, he's the beginning. You know, he's the beginning stuff. Definitely, acoustic more pop because he's really pushing that. But after the Continuum. I think he really want, wants to write a really good song. Yeah. So, I, you know, so funny part is you ask that question. Eric, Eric Clapton, too, timeless. Just because he loves blues, but then he doesn't play straight blues. He plays blues, but he has a little pop to it. But not all current. He just mixes everything his own way. But anyway, your interview really helped me discover something. Because good songwriter, they don't really like to reveal how they got original music. Do you understand? Right. Yeah. Just because that's really you know secret for you know, business. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So so I'm sure a lot of fans from John Mayer figuring out how he writes great songs. It's same to me, same way as Beatles. Really. He can copy anybody. He can copy Hendrix. He can copy Eric Clapton. He can copy anybody. But he has to make his own music. So he cannot use everything. But to me, now I understand. Secretly, I believe he really studying Beatles. Really? I think so. But just my own guess, you know, because if you study Beatles and really learn the structure of a song, 
and the idea of a song, but not just copying chord progression or tempo. You know what I mean? Concept. Because that's timeless. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually, because I feel like yeah. with a lot of John Mayer songs, he uses the same chord progression or similar chord progressions, but he makes it sound so different each time. Like each song is so distinct. Right. So, so like, you know, chord progression, right? Um, every song in the Beatles, chord progression, it's not complicated. But, but the reason is they just not repeat the same thing. They repeat twice. Then they have different section going to a little bit different mood, a little bit twisted, just because they are away from original R&B American music, you see? So John Mayer the same way. Beginning, instead of, he can play, he can shred a solo, but why he plays solo like a melody, one string? Because, like Beatles. Huh. See, to me, that's a George Harrison approach. That's really interesting. I mean, if he took, like, you know, Jimi Hendrix's approach, he can shred a solo, but then that's not a song about. song about lyrics and mood. song about you and people, not about themselves. So if you play shredding solo, only guitar player enjoy it. That's why, like, Gravity, the beginning. Hey, that's same as something. Gravity is working against me. Wow. Right? Yeah. very clever so that's what i understand about john mayer how clever he is that's awesome and i right? fully believe that john mayer is a huge beatles fan and hopefully one day we can have him on the podcast and talk about it yeah. <laughs> so what advice would you give to musicians who are trying to make music right now okay that's a really hard one i will say just like beatles or i did or john did Respect good old music first. And anybody who say anybody who you like, try to discover what music made that person. So in other words, if if somebody like John Mayer, copy John Mayer a little bit good, maybe you know, six months or so, but then you have to stop copying, but you have to understand where he got that each ingredient. Like a songwriting, guitar solo, chord progression, whatever. You have to figure out why he get that. It's not so in other words, not any nothing comes out naturally. Do you understand? Because me and you same, you have a parents, that's why you're here. I had a parents while I'm here. Without them, I'm not here. So me, if I don't respect the parents, not good. You know? So same way, if you want to make your own music, you have to respect parents of music, which is little older music. Like a music family tree. Yeah, music family tree is very important. Yeah. Anybody who's success, they have a really good music family tree. I like that theory. You like that? Yeah. So if you don't have that, if you don't have that, then if you make really 
found music with a computer. You may succeed two years, and after 20 years, nobody knows your name. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, see, your, you know, your question is, what makes timeless? Yeah, quick success is, see, internet thinks quick success. You know, somebody made a Twitter, make millions of money, then sell that quick Twitter. That person may be millionaire, but I'm not sure that person really happy forever. It's not all about money. It's just almost like make effort, you make something change, then you feel good about yourself. But not, not about quantity of things or money. You know what I mean? Right. Yes. Because when you obtain that short-term goal, you're only happy for as long as you have it. And then when it disappears, exactly. so does your happiness. Yeah. Almost like, you know, you want something. You want to have, you know, something expensive glasses or expensive jacket. And then you see on the internet somebody wearing, you are kind of a driving, oh, I want to get that, I want to get that. But once you get that, you're done. For a moment, probably you get really, you know, then when you wear the jacket and the sunglasses, already somebody wearing different jacket, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, so that's why I say don't compare because it go, it's crazy. Yeah. So if, if somebody see, I have so many guitars, why? Because I work so hard and I got those. But when I came to America, I had a one guitar, my one hand, one suitcase, one hand, and I have a lot of dream, but I didn't have anything else. Then I start with nothing and I came up like that. So it's not, it's not instant success, not naturally success because I work so hard every day. So gradually. Absolutely. And that's the reason why you've been successful and why you're still successful. So Tomo, what are you up to now? Are you involved in any projects? So right now, yeah, right now, um, like a, earlier I said, I, may, I, I, have, I found a really, really great arranger, composer, guitar player from Japan. His name is Rockwell. He does a lot of pop music, Yoasobi, or any, you know, um, like a cartoon, anime music. He produced, and uh, and I found out that he, he he is my fan for many years. So I hired him to make my music. So basically, I write a song, he arranged and make everything in in, uh, in tracks. You know? So basically, he make a karaoke for me. You know, <laughs> then I play on top of it because I, after pandemic start, I I um. I want to play with a band, but you know, after pandemic, I feel like everything going up, right? Oil, oil is expensive, hotels are expensive, food is expensive. That means touring has become very expensive. And then, if something comes again, you have to cancel a lot because I I heard a lot of people book gigs, half you know, month later cancels because something happened, you know. So that's why when I say okay. I'm going to change it a little bit. Like almost I'm, I want to make as, me as a pop star, pop star, like a singer, you know, Billy Eilish almost, you know, drew my dream. This means I have a computer already programmed music. I have an engineer. They press the button, play music, and I play with that. So that means I only travel two, three people instead of a whole band and all crew, you know. This way, economically works, right? I have all tracks. Then I can play 
solo guitar on the spot. But having a band is great. But if I have a half van, then three, four people travel with me. What if one person's sick? Then I have to cancel the gig, right? The computer maybe get the infection, but <laughs> if I have backup disk, and if I have, a, you know, I mean, basically, I can travel with this. You know, so that's my other dream, you know. More like a reality, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it just, you know, you know, and then of course I can, you know, um, a couple months ago I went to Nashville and Nashville had a really great band called that, um, like, uh, you know, uh, like sort of session band, you know. Yeah, then uh, they backed me up and we play gigs. So if I want to play a gig, I can hire people, I can book gig, no problem. But just a new project I want to try is more like a pop singer, show up with my, you know, music already written. So, you see, everything's short, and more, a lot of things happen in the song, and the solo is already halfway written, so that every show I play really good. Yeah, just like the Beatles. Exactly. Right? Beatles, exactly, they play parts. That's why their song's so short and nice. Well, that's great. And where can people find your music? Probably best way, iTunes or uh, Spotify, YouTube too. But also you can visit tomojustfunky.com. That's my website. You can list that somewhere. Cool. And I'll put all of the links in the podcast description so people can click on them as they're listening. Yeah. So, so I, I have a, Jacko, I have a question though. Sure. Yeah. How many songs Beatles ever re- written all together? Like, oh wow! Yeah, I think they wrote over two hundred original songs, but they only released like a hundred and ninety or something. Really? Um, and then they gave away other songs, and then they did like twenty-five or thirty covers. Oh, so wow. a total, you know, over two hundred songs. Right. I see. I see. Two hundred. So then, what what year is the first year they released records? They released their first single in October nineteen sixty-two. And that was Love Me Do. Love Me Do. And then a couple months later, they released their first album, Please Please Me, in March of 1963. Oh. And then the last record they ever put out, mm-hmm. I believe, was in April 1970, and that was Let It Be. April 1970. But yeah, they wrote songs oh. like every day. They were always working on a song and or an idea and bouncing it back on each other. Really? I mean, Paul oh. McCartney could probably write a song in like one minute. Now with like right. decades of practice. Yeah. Good thing they didn't have an internet. Yeah. Could you imagine that? If they have an internet, they, they really hook with a TikTok and they lose their, their mind. Yeah. <laughs> right. See, young people, internet is great, but you have to really limit yourself when to use, what to use. Because if you draw into TikTok and Instagram or YouTube like that, then that's like unrealistic world. Because that's you can make the editing. It's not live. Everything made up. If you follow that too much, then people not good at it, like talking live like this or play live. You know exactly. Yeah. Anyway, that's really yeah. I know that's really fascinating. That also you know commitment. You see, commitment is when they did that. Okay. Think about this one, everybody. How are you going to do all day to write a song without working? Normally, we have to work, right? 
to make a living. Do you know the beginning they had a job to do this or they already hired by a record company? You know? Oh, at the beginning? Yeah. yeah, they didn't have I mean, this was their life. They right. they did gig after gig for you know, I think they got paid like eight pounds or something yeah. really cheap like yeah. that. Yeah. So basically just like, you know, yeah, people gigging and then get to pay, then you know then um so like I, I my, my, one more question. When when they start playing together before the record record deal? So Paul McCartney first met John Lennon in 1957. They were only like 15 and 16 years old at the time. Right. And ever since then, they started hanging out and writing songs and playing together in like Paul's house and John's house. Yeah. And then in 1960, yeah, um, they went over to Hamburg, Germany, where they started oh. playing in clubs and they started yeah. playing like uh, like six or seven gigs every single day. And they slept in these really horrible conditions like... They would sleep in broom closets and movie theaters, and they'd have like a Union Jack as blankets, but they played every day. Right. Ah, nice to hear that. Yeah. See, those are, I need to hear that. Everybody needs to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the next year, they came back to Liverpool, and everyone was yeah. like, oh, wow, they're so good. But it was because of that hard work and practice that they put uh, in in Hamburg, Germany. Right. Yeah, see, that's a really good piece of a story that they just did first, just play a lot, you know, play a lot, six nights a week like that. You know. So then what happened is more and more you play, you can feel something works and something don't work. And sometimes you play, probably beginning, they are still copying, you know, American music a little bit, right? No? Yeah, they were doing like Little Richard covers and stuff like that. Right. So when they play music, right, then what happens is six nights a week, that, you know, song that you love, you play, gradually you get again like, oh, man, I, I want to change this song a little bit. Oh, then that's when comes the original music. Yeah. Yeah. So that's perfect timing. So they did really two years really figuring out a little bit and then put the band together, went to, you know, Germany and then play a lot, six nights a week like that. Right? How long do you know did they play like so they went back and forth between Liverpool and Hamburg for like a year or okay. two years. Um, a year, right. And then when they came back the I final see, see. time, their future manager was in the audience at their concert at the Cavern Club. Mm -hmm. And after the show, he said, I would like to sign you guys. Yeah, I see, I see. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so like that. It's like, you know, play, see, so like dedication, really important, you know, really play, play, play. And, uh, and then nowadays it's probably very difficult to do six nights a week somewhere in a club, right? But, you know, yeah, like that. Yeah, even like, you know, try the live show like that, yeah. And one, so sometimes people don't understand. One year, even six months, if you do every day and really change. Yeah, so a lot of people don't know how consistent you need to be to success. Not just amount of hours on the weekend. You have to do every single day something that's why they success because they keep writing song every day no matter what right pretty much and paul mccartney's 80 years old now and he's still writing songs every day amazing yeah john may does the same thing every day he writing lyrics you know yeah he said sometime right it's very uh, uh funny sometime he has a family dinner he has to do this a family dinner and then he has to go like this. Uh, wait, 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 wait. He has to type 
he's not he's not watching TikTok or Instagram. He's just writing lyrics that he don't want to forget. He always writing lyrics like this, you know, voice record or that. You know. Always working towards it. Yeah, always working. Right. Exactly. But 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 uh, you know, I mean, I'm so happy the Beatles really succeeded like that. But they don't last forever. That's that's you know other things that you know four people working together, and more and more each one become better and clever. You know, of course, something won't you know <laughs> you know work. Yeah, yeah, you know, towards the end, they all had their different creative ideas and went their separate paths and had great solo yes. careers. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, uh, you know, dead on, dead on company, you know, Grateful Dead, you know, lasts like uh, 30 years or more. Oh, yeah, like that. I know. <laughs> That's because they are music very loose, you know. <laughs> That's always, I, I think, like a difference, you know. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I mean, I mean, so many, I mean, we can talk days about songs. I mean, yeah. So, like, you know, back to that, you know, George Harrison made a riff. So, Day Tripper, I use that in a solo. And I teach that because that's how you remember something good and use that in a solo as a conversational piece. Because if I play that, people recognize and people like that. Right, yeah. So if it's a minor song, always I go, like that. Then people recognize. You know? To me, Beatles music really influenced me about like a melody. Solo has to have a melody, and you know, chord progression. It's kind of same as other songs, but creatively adding something, but not creative from myself. A lot of songs really based on something. Oh, absolutely! And I think even the solo yeah. to John Mayer's song "Waiting on the World to Change" is just done with one string. Right. Well, yeah. The reason is this because I teach everybody. You have to learn scale one string because if you do that, it takes more time to do it. Because this way, easy to do because of memorization. This one, you have to hear it a little bit and then understand the theory, but also slow down because you take risk to jump a little bit. That's why it mel become melody because you, you have to use it less notes. Also, that solo, it's influenced by Lenny. Oh really? By Sibre Bond, yeah. Because if you listen Lenny, da -da -da, da -da -da, beginning sliding like the melody. That was to me original. Even gravity to me that's really Lenny, based on Lenny and more R and B. So in other words, every great music has a little bit of origin. Yeah. I mean, hey Joe, get back, it little be like that music. Really like to me, Motown, R&B, you know, good classic, but you can't play like that. Yeah, for example, right, this is actually a good one. I I teach sometimes, like, you know, for example, some I always use this. This one. All people, what is that? Oh, this I saw her standing there. That's how I learned. Guess what? That's 1963. 
That means back then. Like that, this is blues, really. So then, what happened? See, if we play blues. That will go 12 bar blues. So, so that I learned from that song to my original song, do not use 1, 4, 5, 12 bar blues because already too much, you know. So then watch one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. They made quick changes, but they own. So then Went to C. See, that's not regular blues. Yeah, I love that chord change right there. Yeah, so like that, that I saw her standing there is already, you know, breakthrough um, compositional idea that they love blues R&B, but cannot use exactly. So they have to cook a little bit, but they not they didn't really made up that from nothing. You understand? They have parents' tree of music, respect it, then they change it. That's why that song taught me. <laughs> so now, since I met you this way, next semester at the Berkeley, I, 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 I decide to take off because it's 30th year. Oh, wow. And I already have a good project to do. Really? Yeah, I just want to sit down, listen, be the Beatles. <laughs> well, that sounds like a great project. Because now different, because... I listened to those songs when I was a kid without any music knowledge in, you know, or experience and not knowing American music or uh, theory. And after that, you know, some of the popular you know, songs I played or I heard more so that I understand. But some of the, like, you know, like a paperback written or something like that, different songs that are not popular one, but then... I want to listen to that again with my new my knowledge. Then I can dig in more, understand song structure, where the song come from, how they change, why they change. It's almost like I want to know structural idea of Beatles songs so that maybe rest of my life I can write the better songs. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, so that's what I'm going to study. So you made you made my day change because otherwise, back in my mind, oh, Beatles great, but you know, oh, you know, their original song I can use original song, but uh, now I, I understand. Wait a minute, song structure I can learn more. Oh yeah, I mean yeah. their attention to song structure is incredible. Yeah, exactly. That sounds great. I'm really excited for you to do that. Thank you, thank you. Well, Tomo, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was an honor having you on and talking about the Beatles with you. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, that was great questions, and I really enjoyed it. And this really taught me something. So this is really great. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to another episode of the Here, There, and Everywhere podcast. If you are interested in Tomo Fujita's music or YouTube lessons, check out all the links included in the podcast description. And if you'd like to hear more Beatles episodes in the future, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and follow us at Beatles Earth on all social medias. I hope you all had a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays, and I will see you all next year in 2023 with brand new episodes.